Today's guest, in some ways, is accomplishing what, for many, is the American dream. He is bringing together people from all walks of life, varied political affiliations, and varied living circumstances, all coming together, despite their differences, to fight for a common cause, to fight against the common core. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, and you are listening to Mind Talk. I am pleased to welcome Dr. Nicholas Tampio, an associate professor of political science at Fordham University, which is in Bronx, New York, and author of Common Core, National Education Standards and the Threat to Democracy. Dr. Tampio, welcome to Mind Talk. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, for, for those of you uh, listening who know that Mind Talk is all about relationships and mental health, a conversation about teaching practices may not seem like such a good fit. But from where I sit, the gift of teaching and learning and the way that teaching and learning is experienced is a profound and daily influencer of one's sense of self, self-esteem, self-care skills, and indeed the way in which one connects to the world around. Nicholas, you have researched and written about a particular approach to teaching, but Mm -hmm. the subtitle of your book, At First Blush, it seems kind of hard to connect that to the education of our children, National Education Standards and the Threats to democracy is that just a sexy title to garner information interest <laughs> uh, well, in the book maybe it's a sexy title i hope yeah. <laughs> um but you know here's the insight that that i took is that um political philosophers which i'm that's my academic training have from the beginning been concerned about education and the thinking is how you educate young people today is going to determine what kind of people you get as they become older and if you teach young people to express themselves, then as they get older, they'll be confident in expressing themselves. If you teach them when they're young to think for themselves, as they get older, they'll be thinking for themselves. Um, if you make school a happy place, they'll be infused with happiness and go into life, you know, happy. Although, of course, everybody, uh, you know, it's clouds in every life. But still, like, you can make, you can make, uh, you know, you can make school a happy place, a place with good memories. And uh, as a parent, I just saw that the Common Core is is really going to have disastrous consequences for raising happy, confident, you know, self-thinking youth. And, and so that's why I wrote my book. Well, let me say this. Let me ask you this. Um, again, a threat to democracy sounds like such a dire, horrifying um, Insult, if you will, assault, if you will, on the one of the hallmarks of what I think we as Americans, in fact, most people hold very dear, and that is education, education yes. of our children. Um, so I, I, I want you first to tell us what Common Core is for those who know, and then go into a little bit more depth about how it is that you equate Common Core 
approach to education as a as a threat to democracy? Happy to do this. So, uh, the Common Core is a set of education standards um, that identify what kids should be able to know and do at the end of each grade, from kindergarten to twelfth grade. And when it was initially uh, rolled out, there was a lot of enthusiasm. Public opinion polls showed a lot of support. And then over time, uh, public support plummeted and uh, plummeted among Democrats, Republicans, people in the city, people in the suburbs, people in the country. Uh, You know, one of the silver linings for this fight has been that I've made friends from all around the country, all different political parties. Um, My work's translated into different languages because people all around the world are fighting a similar similar fights. Um, And so here's why I think it it matters for democracy. So earlier I was indicating that the standards themselves teach an anti-democratic pedagogy. The standards themselves really emphasizing using the exact word from a text when answering a question about the text. So what, what happens in a Common Core classroom or common, a classroom that follows the Common Core standards is that you're given a passage of text and you're supposed to answer questions about it and you have to use the exact words in the text So you, and you're never allowed within the standards themselves to say what you think. And if people doubt me, I encourage them to read my book, Johns Hopkins University Press. It just came out. Then just take a look at it and just I show in detail how the standards themselves teach young people to keep their thoughts and feelings to themselves. But there's a, sec- there's a second reason why this is anti-democratic, is that one of the best ways for people to become introduced to politics is to participate in running the local schools, for running for school board and uh, participating in the major decisions that the school makes. What we're seeing right now all around the country is that people in Washington, D.C. and Seattle, Washington, have given themselves this major decision-making power over education and all around the the rest of the country people don't have a chance to participate in the democratic running of the schools they can't go to the they can't go to the local school board and say listen you know we'd like to try a different pedagogy we'd like to try different set of education standards they're trapped and so I think that's a second way in which people are not able to uh, experience a democratic way of life well, one of the, the, the basic tenets, um, if I understand correctly, about uh, Common Core, the Common Core approach, is that every child needs to have the same kind of exposure to the same kind of training so that we don't have uh, such a mishmash, if you will, of, of learning standards and teaching styles so that the children are all on the same page. So, yeah, that, that's, that's the argument that I spend the bulk of my book, you know, addressing, which is the equity argument. And, you know, I think in the, the imagination of a lot of people is that after Little Rock versus Arkansas, that people see the federal government as the protector of civil rights, as the protector of education, as the knight in shining armor that'll come in and make sure that children all around the country get a good education. And so that, that's the argument my book really responds to. And what, here's my response is that, one, there's no guarantee that the, that the federal government will make the right choice about education. And I would argue that that's what's happened right now is that they've chosen a pretty bad model for, uh, for the country. And so, you know, I'm in a part of this movement with a lot of people. Nobody's saying that the Common Core is too good for their, 
their children, right? Every, as a rule, people who participate in this movement are mad that their kids' education has gotten worse. And if I may say one more point is that uh, one of the things I do is that I talk to people all around the country who are saying, listen, we don't want you to tell us how to educate our children. And so in Baltimore, there was a, a, a walkout of the Common Core tests, and there was very articulate young people. It's a, a video on the Baltimore Sun, 2015. They're saying, we're not satisfied with this as, as our education. We're not satisfied with this test and punish regime. You see similar movements in Detroit, uh, Chicago, New York City. People don't want to be told how to educate their children, or, or maybe stated positively, they want to have a say in what philosophy of education the local schools use. When you talk about people wanting to have a say in the education of their children, completely get that. But of course, we know that there are uh, environments and places where people may want to teach their children things that are for some people immoral, for some people unethical, for some people incorrect, but maybe with a common core, maybe everybody's learning everything the same way, and maybe we erase all the potential for uh, discriminatory or reduced learning or teaching. We're going to take a, a, a break, uh, mm-hmm. D- Dr. Tampia, but when we come back, I'd, I'd like for you to, to address that uh, argument, if you would. Happy. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. Campio, author of Common Core, National Education Standards and the Threat to Democracy. How do you respond to the concerns that some may have that without Common Core standards, children will be getting all kinds of stuff that is being taught to them that may or may not be useful, acceptable, moral, ethical, Mm non-discriminatory, you name it. Yes. So um, one of the things I learned when researching the book is that scholars and everybody else disagrees on how to teach reading, math, and certainly science and history. And just, for example, for math, there's a debate about whether you should teach conceptual understanding by asking students to define terms and answer word problems. And the other school of thought says, well, first, you need to just make sure they get procedural mastery down. They know their multiplication tables. They know how to solve problems. And then as they get older, they can explain it. But you don't want to have it too wordy at the beginning. 
So there is reasonable disagreement about how to teach math. And when you have one set of standards, you're saying, all right, this group gets to tell the rest of the country to, uh, how we're going to teach math. And if you don't like it, you have no recourse in the democratic system. Uh-huh. So even if it's good math, or even if it's a good set of standards, there's still going to be a cost, a political cost on everybody else who doesn't have a say in it. But, you know, as you keep going more and more into the details for the other set of standards, you realize, wow, there are some really provocative uh, things about uh, teaching, say, science. And so the next generation science standards, which I researched, I mean, one of the very prominent prominent points that they say is that they teach young people about climate change. That's true, but they also teach young people about relying on technology to solve our environmental mess. So the next generation science standards seems to suggest that engineers will solve the problem of pollution and that we don't need to make any hard political choices, that uh, sort of this techno-optimism that permeates the standards Nicholas, there are those people who are concerned that without a common standard of teaching and training, that there will be children who will be exposed to less than they need, uh, sometimes different from what they need, uh, perhaps schools that are considered to be subpar for any number of reasons will have even less of a graduation rate, less of a college rate, if that's what these children want to do. What do you say Mm -hmm. to the value of everybody learning the same thing in the same way? So um, that is the strongest argument for the national for national education standards, and that's the the main one that my my book responded to. Here's here's my response: is one that there's no guarantee that the national standards will be good, that we could nationalize a an inferior model of education that doesn't teach children enough math to go to a selective college, doesn't teach them. To, to think for themselves when they're writing, that doesn't teach them certain very important areas of science, doesn't teach them certain crucial facts about American history. So I think, I think all of those arguments have some weight. I, um, I think that what we've seen right now confirms the worst fears about national education standards, that they're actually not very good. But let me, let me make another point, is that reasonable people disagree about how to teach math English, history, science. And so for one example is math. Some people believe that young people should uh, be forced to define their terms from an early age to make sure that they understand what they're talking about. There's another school of thought that says when you're young, you just need to get the right answer, and that demonstrates enough understanding that you don't need to define your terms. So there's this debate between uh, constructivists and behaviorists among math educators when you say that we're going to have one national set of standards, you're putting everybody else out in the cold, out in the wilderness. They no longer have recourse within the democratic system. That is a, that is a huge cost. So for me, I, I envision American educational system as a garden with lots of different flowers. And so I would prefer to see a healthy diversity, uh, a healthy competition, and I'd like communities to advocate for the best education for their for their local kids and not necessarily rely on the federal government or any sort of national entity to save the day. 
So uh, let me ask you about the National Sexuality Education Standard, which I was not familiar with. Um, what is that? So in the, in the past few years, there's been a movement among sex ed educators to piggyback on the Common Core. So it's not, it's not directly connected to the Common Core, okay. but when you read the National Sexuality Education Standards documents, they all say, oh, look, this is, the Common Core has basically accomplished this for English and math. Let's do the same for, for sexuality. I see. And, um, you know, they, they teach lots of, they teach lots of, of good things that you know, pretty much all reasonable people agree should it be taught, but they also step into some pretty controversial areas. And so um, there, there are several very controversial topics about sexual health, uh, including abortion and um, uh, gender identity. And the national sexuality standards have a certain you know, hard liberal perspective. And uh, part of you know, my, my argument is that in some communities, if they want to teach those sexuality education standards, that should absolutely be their right. But if there are other communities that have a different view of sexual ethics, they want to teach a different uh, conception of sexual health, I think that should also be their right. And so the test, the test case that I show uh, in the book is that uh, Muslims, uh, as a rule, have a different view of sexual health and uh, sexual ethics than the national sexuality education standards. So, so my view is that if there are communities that uh, want to teach their children a different way about sexual health, uh, that should be their right. So it, it sounds like in general um, your, your greatest concern is that, and perhaps the greatest concern of all of those who are opposed to Common Core, is that it, there is a lack of creative option in terms of the teaching of the children. They have to be taught to the test, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what you see in America right now, a lot of miserable kids, a lot of miserable parents, and you know we don't we don't have to do that. I mean, I believe in equity. I believe in providing all children a good education. But um, I want kids to have fresh food. I want teachers and communities to make to be making decisions. I want pe- teachers to be energized that they have a say over the curriculum. I want students to feel excited to go to school where they can express their own thoughts and learn about the best that civilization has to offer. And that's just not what's happening in education right now. And I think our country could do much better. So for let's take the makeup child who has uh, she's she's been exposed to the Common Core uh, approach to education um, throughout her school environment, and now she's getting ready to step into college. So she's got all the basics down. She's been taught to the test. She knows how to do all of that. What's your sense of how college would be different for her, would be easier, mm-hmm. or would be more difficult? So um, first I'll say the Common Core, then I'll say what I expect as a college professor. The Common Core, the most important Common Core standard is the first English language arts anchor standard that requires students to cite specific textual evidence. And when they say cite specific textual evidence, they mean use the exact words from the text. So you're not allowed to use synonyms. You're not allowed to make connections to other things you've read. You're not allowed to connect the material to your own life. You have to stay within the four corners of the text. So, and it's the advantage of this 
for people who like the Common Core is that it can be tested on computers. Okay. Because you can have you can have computers grade it, use the algorithm, make sure that you're using the exact words. Um, you know, uh, synonyms would scramble the whole algorithm, so I just see. keep okay. it clean. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, as a college professor, I I tell students, listen, I want you to read the material and understand the text. But I also want you to connect it to other things we've read. If we've read Aristotle, I want you to connect it to Plato. If we've read uh, Kant, I want you to connect it to Aristotle and Plato. And then I also want you to connect it to ongoing conversations that are going on in other corners of the intellectual universe that are going on in the world. And so for me as a college professor, the most important or one of the most important things I'm teaching you is to make connections between ideas in the world. And so that is, I am fighting the common core training when I do that. So for, from your perspective, that student who has uh, come to you from a common core experience may not even have the self-awareness, if you will, to expand her or his thought in the way that you expect as a college professor. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to, to connect to where the beginning of the show, uh, there was an interview on, uh, on a Long Island newspaper where they asked valedictorians what they thought about the Common Core. And they were all saying, you know, this is it's a terrible thing for young children, that young children should be able to taught to color outside of the lines. And the Common Core requires you to, to stay exactly within the lines, that it's, it's anguish for young creative children who are given no outlets to express what they think or feel. The idea of coloring outside the lines is something that, just as a clinician, uh, seems to me to be a, a hugely important part of one's internal foundation. You, I, I want you to know how to color inside the lines, but I also want you to have the freedom to color outside of the lines. Well, you know, I have a lot of friends who are early childhood educators, and they all talk about play. And play is where you're just, it's a little bit of free, freedom. You're not, you're, you're not following the rules exactly. You're, you know, it's hard work, but you're still, you're still having a certain uh, ex- chance to, to go outside of the box, to make a choice about how you're going to do free time, to figure out who you're going to play with. The Common Core is anti-play. There's no room within the standards themselves for playing. And, you know, I, I, I'm confident about this thesis. If anybody wants to show me counterexamples, they're welcome to. You know, send me an email at tampio at fordham.edu. Because up to now, I mean, every, every Common Core assignment is busy work for, for thoughtful young people. It's just, uh, it makes school just pure drudgery. Well, I'm going to ask you to repeat that email and to also give us a website uh, where folks can go to for more information about Common Core and Nicholas Tampio. So if you Google my name, Nicholas Tampio, T-A-M-P-I-O, and my, the first thing that should come up is my homepage, and it has links to my articles, my books, uh, popular things that I've written, talks, podcasts, and just gives uh, people whatever format they like to, to think about these issues alongside me. And it has my email, T-A-M-P-I-O at Fordham.edu. Be happy to hear from your listeners. Terrific. Thank you again, Dr. Nicholas Tampio, author of Common Core, National Education Standards and the Threat to Democracy. 
Folks, thank you for joining me today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service, and it is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a mental health, medical health, or other professional. You can listen on demand at mindtalk.org. That's M Y N D T A L K dot O R G. You're also able to download the Mind Talk app from your iTunes or Google Play Store. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. I'd love to know where in the world you are as you're listening today, so do send an email to me at Pamela, that's P A M E L A, at mindtalk.org. Again, that's M Y N D T A L K dot O R G. And remember always, if it's unacceptable, then it's unacceptable. You take. Thank you.